0: Mostly they're feeling slightly disconnected from their customer base, and they're trying to understand what are the things that we need to create from a services and product perspective, so an entire holistic experience perspective, for our different cohorts of customers. What should our evolution be in 2022 for our enterprise versus mid-market versus SMB customer base?
1: You show up for engaging conversations, we handle everything else. Ready to build a podcast that grows your business in just one hour per week? Reach out to us at contentallies.com.
2: Welcome back to the Leaders of B2B podcast. I'm Noah Tetzner, and today I'm joined by the co-founder of Koala.io, a customer success platform for scaling customer success teams. Kuala is a frontline intelligence platform for B2B SaaS companies that helps you better serve, retain, and upsell. My guest today is on a mission to change our interaction with customers by delivering exceptional experiences through fast technology. Soncire Perez, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to to kick off discussions and to hang out with you today.
2: Likewise, it's the pleasure is all mine. And I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. There's so much I want to dive into. And I'm so excited about Kuala. I know you guys have just gone from strength to strength over the last few years. I believe we were talking pre-interview. This is the company's third
0: year. Yeah, we're, we're almost there. We're about two and a half years in. It's been such an incredible and exciting journey thus far. I think one of the most exciting things about building something from scratch, specifically, you know, technology company, is that you get to create something that you love, hopefully that something you wish you would have had before it came into existence. And you get to do it with a group of people that can have the opportunity to change your life. Hopefully you're helping to change their lives and it's it's just wonderful all around. So I really, this is my third tour of duty, my third company that I've kicked off. And I have to say, it's incredibly gratifying to create something that hopefully does good things for the world with people that you know and love.
2: Right on. And I want to get into your background, Sincere. You know, here you are, almost year three of Kiwala.io. I'd love it if I could just kind of hand over the virtual microphone to you and you could share with listeners, you know, a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey. Take us back in time, you know, to the beginning of when you set out on this path that led you to where you are now as the co-founder of Kuala. How did that?
0: Sure. You know, I think it's like a lot of things in life. It's very serendipitous. I think when we start out, we have a lot of ideas and opportunities that we hope that will have as we grow in our careers, and once we, once we graduate from college, if we we go to college. And for me, I remember not knowing that entrepreneurship was even a path that many people or anyone took. I um, have, you know, my my father is a was a police officer. He was retired. My mom was a high school teacher. So very much civil servants. Many people in my family have followed typical or similar um, lines of work and. I remember being fascinated by the lo- the local coffee shop owner and my friends who had parents that created their own consultancies or businesses and watching them employ community members and network and be a part of the vibrant fabric of our local communities was fascinating to me and I always thought that's interesting who does that who takes that big leap and and what do they you know how do they find something that they love and they want to invest their their time and their life in so fast forward to sort of being enamored with the idea. And I always thought I would love to support someone that has a dream and wants to do something great and be a part of that, that experience. So one of my first jobs out of college was working at a marketing cooperative firm. And what we did is we worked with small independent businesses, helping them understand how to better market their products and services. And I got, you know, one-on-one interactions with many of these business leaders locally, and I I loved it. And from there, met a few friends, and we decided to create a marketing platform that helped manufacturing brands co-market with their local independent retailers so so manufacturing brands could sell more products, of course, locally, and the the local retailers had some of the world-class marketing that they might not be able to create on their own and that was my one of you know one of my first experiences into finding a group of people that i really appreciated and we had our respective swim lanes we complemented each other from a talent perspective and decided you know why don't we take the leap so we bootstrapped that company for about 2 years and that we got into a startup accelerator called TechStars in Boston which changed our lives and opened us up to a wide network of people that could help us create something And um, it was from my experiences at Promobox, leading the customer success services and support teams, that I thought, you know, there has got to be a technology that helps us bring together all of the different interactions that we're having across customers, across team members, and across channels, so that we can qualitatively understand those interactions that are happening, amass intelligence from those connections, and decide how to leverage it um, to make better business decisions. So that evolved into Koala and that's where we are today.
2: Oh, that's such a fascinating journey, Sincerely. No, and there's so much to unpack there. I think it's really interesting how, you know, at the beginning of your journey, you were working alongside, you know, companies within the manufacturing industry. And today, Koala really tries to partner with B2B SaaS companies. Is that right?
0: That's right. That's right. So we work with B2B SaaS. So these are these are companies that want to understand their customers, their business customers, and how exactly, how are they using their technology and their services? And what are the communications that they're having as a result of that usage? And what does that mean for how they're interpreting the value that our customers are bringing to their customers? So it's great. It's amazing to be able to interact with other people in the trenches day in and day out, having these human to human interactions with their customer base and struggling with how do we pair the narrative of those conversations with the hard data that we're seeing so that we can understand how to make better pricing decisions, better product roadmap decisions. Um, How do we get in front of customer attrition? So it's been, it's been a wonderful journey thus far. And I'm I'm definitely iron sharpens iron learning a lot from our customers.
2: Most definitely. Well, how do you define, I'm curious, how do you define customer success? Because, you know, th- we have a, you know, a diverse audience of, of leaders in the B2B space and, you know, any CEO or sales lead is, you know, familiar, uh, other titles as well, you know, with, with the whole like demand gen concept mm-hmm. and retaining or getting new customers, clients, et cetera. But really, you know, we're interested in longevity, so that we can retain those customers and upsell them, and that's of course where Kuala uh, comes into play. So, how would you define customer success?
0: Sure, I mean it's wonderful. You know, we work with customer success teams and product teams as well, and I would say that they're both interested in similar things. So, customer success is primarily responsible for ensuring that the value that the customer purchased the product if for is being realized on a day to day basis. So. Since B2B SaaS companies are subscription based um, and customers are paying month over month or quarter over quarter or sometimes year over year, that means that the burden of proof or the burden of of value and making sure that what we're providing is actually resonating and helpful to the daily lives of our customers is on us or it's on our customers. So, what that means is for those that we're working with, their customer success teams are teams that are responsible for making sure that, that the, their customers are realizing that value, coming alongside the journey with them, ensuring that they are getting onboarded in, in a succinct fashion, they're getting the value that they looked to receive and the timeline they look to receive it in, and that they're growing together, they're evolving together. Um, and it's pretty exciting. On the product side, since we work with product leaders as well and product teams, you know, they're very much focused on similar things. Um, now, the way the two teams approach it is slightly different. Um, obviously, product teams are, are more from a, a less one-to-one perspective. They're looking to deliver that value through the technology. And customer success teams are focused on delivering that value through the technology and also through the relationships that they're building with customers. So it's multidimensional on the CS side. No,
2: I love that. I love that. So you know, a B2B SaaS company, at what stage in their journey, and maybe there are multiple answers to this mm. question, you know, would they partner with Kuala? Are these startups, are these people who might be, you know, in business for a few years looking to optimize their processes?
0: Sure. Yeah, great, great question. So, um, of course, we are a startup ourselves and we love supporting our fellow startups. So we have many that are using the Koala product. And they're building their customer success motions and product motions fairly early. And we applaud them for doing that. Our sweet spot with our customer base is really larger organizations where they find themselves feeling, leadership finds themselves feeling disconnected from their customers. And that's because their teams have grown and the frontline teams. so Koala is a frontline intelligence platform. Basically, we are bringing in any customer facing team having a conversation with the customer that could be product managers, marketing managers, that could be sales individuals and CS. That being said, we do work primarily with product and CS. So what we're doing is we're bringing all of that qualitative, those those conversations in into one place from wherever they're happening today, chats, calls, notes, email. So So for us, we find that bringing those interactions together are, are is a very pivotal opportunity for many teams because today a lot of this data is fractured across many different channels. So what does that mean for who we work with? When you find many different teams having many different conversations with many different customers across a bunch of different channels is when someone looks for a, a product like Koala because it's an incredibly manual process for leadership to try to dig into all of these different instances across all of those different channels to get a sense of, should we integrate with Slack or should we integrate with Zendesk next or maybe Microsoft Teams, I should say. If you can have all of that information across all of those teams at your fingertips, you can make quicker, faster decisions. So, so that was a long-winded answer for saying that, that larger B2B scaling teams are where we do our best work because that information lives in so many different places.
2: That makes perfect sense. And we have a lot of leaders from B2B SaaS companies tuning in. We work with a lot at Content Allies. You know, speaking like directly, I'm curious and speaking directly to those leaders, what are, when, when somebody partners from one of those companies with Kuala, what are some of the most pressing issues, the problems that those, Mm. those companies are facing? Like right off the bat, you know, they align with you guys. What are those, those problems that need to be tackled?
0: Yeah, that's a that's a, a great question. So mostly they're feeling slightly disconnected from their customer base and they're trying to understand what are the things that we need to create from a services and product perspective, so an entire holistic experience perspective for our different cohorts of customers. What should our evolution be in 2022 for our enterprise versus mid-market versus SMB customer base? So the the teams that we work with that are struggling the most is keeping their ear to the ground from a scalable perspective right and and when they find themselves leaning back on their opinions so trying to make a decision that's opinion based and let's give an example of this so let's use product road mapping as a good as a good example here So trying to understand if they should work on the product onboarding experience or if they should spend a certain time on the checkout cart experience. For them, they're going to be looking for instances. They're going to talk to their team members. They're going to talk to their customers. They're going to take a look at NPS scoring. They're going to look at surveys. They're going to look at usage data, and then they're going to talk to their product managers. And in the end, it's going to be usually, for many of our customers, an an overwhelming single point in time data set that as soon as you pull it manually is out of date. So they know that, and they want to gain an understanding over time and in real time, how can we develop a product or develop a roadmap that meets the needs or even gets in front ahead of the needs of our customers? And from a narrative and contextual perspective, how do we pull in conversations that we're having with and about customers in order to inform that work? So usually the biggest point they're having is around how to plan product enhancements in the new year.
2: Gotcha. Gotcha. No, that makes perfect sense. You know, B2B SaaS, you know, that's that's a a fascinating industry. Do you find that a lot of those companies are encountering, you know, relatively the same problems? Or, you know, has Kuala had to, you know, enable itself to suit the needs of many different companies? And probably that relates to, you know, what stage they are, uh, whether they're a startup, whether they've been around for a while.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I would say, so we have one single platform that's, that's offered up to our, to our customers. Of course, there are many customizable options available from a reporting perspective, but I would find the startups that we work with are usually startups that are one to many. So they have a long tail of customers. They're not necessarily working with a upper echelon of, of enterprise named accounts. They're usually working with thousands of customers on the SMB side. And the reason why that makes sense for them to partner with us is because, again, there are a lot of different conversations happening across a small amount of team members, but usually a a large amount of channels or a large number of channels. So when that starts to feel out of hand, when it's tough to get a sense across all of your customer base, what should be, what should be the next direction of of your product or you know the next iteration of your onboarding experience is when we come into play. And sometimes that can be pretty early with uh, with a startup if they're working with a larger number of customers. But primarily we are we're working with teams that are a few hundred employees strong. They usually have customer success teams that are, you know, anywhere from 10 to 25 product management teams are similar sized And they have enabled a large number of channels. And let's for a moment pause on why so many companies have so many ways that customers can reach them. And you know, a while back we saw a shift. Customers dictate to us how and when they want to connect with us. Sometimes it could be through Slack. If you have a Slack support channel, it might be through email. It could be that they pick up the phone and call. It might be that they text you. It could be an intercom chat um, or a drift chat. So Because we've given our customers, and this is not just us Qual, I mean our, like our broader industry, so many different ways to connect with us, that puts a problem on our laps of, okay, now there are so many channels of connect, how do we look across all of those channels to understand the context of those conversations to drive how we build a better business? So for us, uh, we put a premium on integrating wherever the work is done into a single stream so that leaders can get that holistic view
2: and on your website i know you have a lot of great case studies and you know uh, i invite listeners to you know check out Kuala.io, that's quala.io that's q u a l a.io to just learn more and spend a few moments on the website looking at your great case studies and learning more about everything you guys have to offer but um, Sansieri, so whether you'd like to, you know, dive into particular examples or just share some of the results, I'd love to hear about, you know, some success stories of some of the, the companies you've worked with, you know, kind of the before and after of when they, you know, partnered with Kuala.
0: Of course, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to share, you know, usually the customers that we work with can be fairly evolved as far as their tech stack. And how they're looking at usage data. So quantitative usage data is relatively easy to get at, and usually those systems are, are fairly fairly evolved, and we integrate with many of them. What's more difficult is that when a executive is looking to understand from a qualitative perspective the context that's associated with how customers are using their their tools or their platform, that information lives some of it as a note in a CRM. We joke, you know. Important intelligence goes to die in a CRM note because so many of us never look at it again once it's logged. So, informi- notes from calls, right? They go into customer success management tools, or excuse me, they go into customer relationship management tools. Their calls are recorded, and um, uh, maybe through Gong or through Chorus. Um, also, maybe some surveys go out as a result of those conversations to get a sense of what should we really be focusing on. And leaders at the end of the quarter or towards the end of the year, when they want to bring all this information together, it's usually just in a spreadsheet somewhere. And so we work with a lot of companies that have Excel sheets or, or Google sheets, and they have amassed that single point in time response from the customer and then the comment that the, that the team member might make around that specific request. Maybe they have some sorting involved, some upvoting created as a result of some of the requests that are coming in. But normally it's it's been in a, in a spreadsheet. Um, and for us, what we do is we take a look at those headers or the most important data points that we're bringing in and from where. Um, and what we do is, so we have um, several hundred one-click connects. So integration resources that, that we bring into the Qual platform. So you don't need to now, take a look at all of these different platforms individually. You can connect them in a few clicks to Koala, bring all of that rich narrative data in, and then get out of your spreadsheets. Um, and so what that means for customers moving off spreadsheets into Koala is we have a feature called topics. Um, and what the, topics are essentially subjects and subjects are answer a question. So a topic might be, Which of our customers are talking about a certain group of our competitors? This might help customer success teams, or this has helped customer success teams get ahead of customer attrition. They've noticed that once their customers start talking about certain competitors, that it's a potential red flag for a customer potentially churning. So they'll create a topic in Koala. Um, and they will essentially ask this question, which of our customers are talking about a competitor, then they can do a keyword analysis and Koala builds variations on those keywords and phrases and has some light AI that's available as well. And pull they pull all that data in in real time and they see which customers are having which conversations, they can segment that data if they want. And they can then click, double click on any of those mentions to to get the context of those competitor conversations. And they can see how much ARR is associated with these competitive discussions. And when a competitor comes up, how often do they come up? With which customers do they come up? When's the last mention? And what's the context of that conversation? And what our customers do with that data is they then use that information to build success plans for customer success teams. Or evolved roadmaps for product teams that help answer some of this context that's coming in as a result of this overall topic. So,
2: how is that data, that context around, for example, you know, customers who are referencing our competitors? How is that collected within Qala originally?
0: Mm, Sure. So, um, when a topic is created in the in the platform, I know it's 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 tough because pictures work worth a thousand words here. But once a topic is created you essentially name the topic, describe, you add your keywords and phrases. And again, Koala does its own analysis on that information as well. And then the data is pulled in in real time and displayed. So as soon as it's created, we pull in all that historical data in real time and it's available to you. And so there's this nice visual interface that essentially shows the velocity of these conversations over time and then which customer or customer groups they're associated with. And then of course, the the decision maker can slice and dice that data by timeline, by customer cohort, by essentially any field. And because we loop directly in with your CRM, HubSpot or Salesforce in the example there, we're pulling in all of your account data as well into the platforms you can slice and dice based on any account field.
2: That, okay, that is fascinating. And that sounds like the way... It should be done. <laughs> so if if a B <laughs> SaaS company isn't utilizing Koala, like I mean, the risks are kind of self-explanatory because for that example, which I love because it's so relevant and it speaks to data and the bottom line. You know, hey, guess what? Your customers are talking about uh our competitors, you know, just you know, it, unless somebody's partnered with a, a company like yours, Sincere, is that data just never, never tracked, you know, lost in translation, you know, and then a, a, a customer of a SaaS company might potentially churn. That's typically how it would go, I would think.
0: Right. It's 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 very difficult. So you're exactly right. It sort of falls into a, a black hole. And what leaders, the typical process that a leader will will follow is, you know, if they're, let's give the product leader example here, let's say they're creating alongside the customer success leader. So head of product, head of CS, what the roadmap should look like. And I keep going back to the roadmap example, but obviously there are so many different ones. What they're, what they usually do is they debutize their team to go through and amass, masses of conversations that have come in, surveys, notes, calls, uh, tickets, to get a sense of what are the themes that we're noticing. And this process can take hours and hours and hours, weeks. Sometimes they take quarters to plan it. And it's very, it's very frustrating. And again, you're just getting a snapshot of data. You're just getting that data that existed in that moment, not in real time. And then usually that information, it's such a huge amount of information you're picking and choosing which themes you want to present then usually the PMs or the product managers or CSMs, customer success managers, are left with cherry picking what their opinion is on what should be what we should focus on. And look, these are experts in the field. Of course, they have really good spidey senses and usually they're on point. But the problem with providing anecdotes and not analytics is that it's so easy for our counterparts to poke holes in the suggestions that we're providing because it does come across as just our opinion without the data to back it up. So we look at Koala as an evidence engine. So you might have an opinion on you know, a direction that the company should take. Uh, but what, what we provide then is the evidence to either refute or back that up so that when you make a recommendation, it's backed with important data and not just your spidey senses, which might be wrong or might be right. Um, we just, we don't know. So that's that's what we found. We're, we're saving teams time, primarily, not having to dig into this data manually. We're giving them better data because we're giving them the, the data in a scalable way across so many different channels at their fingertips. And as a result, they're being able to focus on higher value work. And leaders that are using Koala are, are in many cases, massaging you know the epics or timelines that they believe it will take for them to deliver analytics or recommendations like this. And some of them are even massaging their hiring plans as a result of um, being able to save this type of time.
2: When you were building this platform, when you were building, Huala, I know you you know, have a lot of experience in customer success. You're the head of customer success and co-founder of Promobox. Um, you know, other than, and, and perhaps this was it, intuition and experience, I'd love to learn more about the process behind you know, determining which features would be included in Koala, you know, the different topics, like, you know, we talked extensively a few minutes ago about, you know, the feature that allows users to track, you know, data around, hey, are our customers referencing our competitors, things like that, you know, how did you determine which features should be included in the platform?
0: Yeah, um, I, we use Koala. So Thank goodness, and it's it, it's it's fun to be able to create a product that we're also using in our own day to day lives. You know, as as the the head of CS and at Koala, I lead all of our go to market efforts, so marketing, sales, and customer success. So for for us, you know, we have a lot of questions on how do we build a product that closes more deals at a faster clip? How do we develop a product that's marketing messaging? is is based on the vernacular of the language that our customers are using and how do we create a customer experience with the customer success team um, that's based on the needs of our end users. So um, we're regularly bringing in a lot of different data sources into our Koala platform and using Koala for Koala. To answer questions like "What should our next integration source be?" Is our pricing resonating, or should we revisit how we're pricing? When people mention competitors, you know how are those conversations happening? Many of the examples I gave earlier on are case studies that come from our customers, but they're also topics that we peek at, you know, almost every every single day, and it saved us a lot of time and heartache to be able to. Again, sometimes put our opinions aside, I'm a very opinionated person, I have a lot of ideas on what we should be doing with our, our product and our experiences. And sometimes it's a little bit of a, a, a fun gut check to go into our it's koala not sometimes. And and see if my opinions are backed by evidence. Um, and a few times I've had to eat a little humble pie and, and realize, <laughs> oh, like I, I had an opinion there that was based on the very last conversation I had with a customer that really wasn't indicative of the customer base overall. Um, And I always get a chuckle out of it. I don't mind being proven wrong. I I like to be right too, but I don't mind being proven wrong. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Well, that's such a cool concept because in a way you're treating yourself like a customer. And I'm sure that allows you guys to, um, you know, upgrade features and and tweak things on the platform um, that you wish were there. Uh, And then of course that allows you to be the best, you know, customer success team for your own customers.
0: Exactly. Exactly. It's been a lot of fun so far. And, you know, we've gone through an exciting evolution as a company overall. And yeah, to be able to create something that people use and love and that we use and love has been has been really fun so far and very gratifying.
2: Well, sincerely, we've talked about Koala and its features and success stories of your customers. And it's been so fascinating. I personally have benefited greatly from this conversation and I know our listeners have as well, but now I'd like to learn a little bit more about, you know, you, the person and your journey, you know, kind of behind this, this company, you've obviously, you know, done similar things before promo box, you know, mentor at tech stars, But, you know, with Kuala, when did you realize there was a need for this business?
0: Mm. You know, when I, I remember I was hanging out at the underscore offices in Boston. They're a a VC firm um, that's right in the heart of Boston, right downtown, and i saw an old friend jonathan tushman who's my co-founder we had run the boston marathon together several years earlier and um, sort of like caught each other and realized what are you doing here and met up for coffee it was very serendipitous because we hadn't really spoken at length for probably a good year and he told me that he was that he was very interested in qualitative data sets and how to better harness this incredibly fraught and gray Uh, you know, narrative for business leaders. And I remember we're talking a lot about this and I remember sharing just about so many of my frustrations with many, myself and many leaders having to over-index on hard metrics or usage data because um, getting at the context, the why behind the what was incredibly frustrating. And I shared an experience I had with uh, one of our customers at Promobox, Volkswagen, who ended up churning. They're one of our largest accounts at the time, uh, but they had launched a campaign the day before they churned on our platform. And they had the highest engagement engagement rates we had seen of every other customer. And in greater conversations with the CSM and with the team, realized that they were incredibly frustrated by our pricing structure because it was variable-based pricing. They never knew month to month what they were going to be paying for Promobox and they felt that some of their core requests from a product perspective had gone unmet and so and so they left and i remember just feeling like there was so there was such rich context that we missed because we were just looking at the usage data and i shared that with him and and we started to riff and, and talk about it and think you know can we build a technology that solves some of these qualitative problems that that companies are experiencing from a you know boots on the ground perspective And it was from there that we had probably 150 conversations with CS leaders around the globe. And then realized as we began amassing these qualitative data sets for our customers that this was an, an incredibly important data set for not just CS leaders, but product as well, which then we used that to expand our ideal customer profile. And we began working with product leaders and not just CS. And then we then we thought, you know, what are the other sources we can bring in? And it sort of the journey continued. So, you know, I I think the, the idea and the, the hope, not necessarily the realization, but the hope that this could be something impactful for the world really happened when we, you know, had that, that cup of coffee that we shared together and, and just had an idea based on our own experiences.
2: Oh, I love that. I love that so much. And Correct me if I'm wrong, Sincere, but when Volkswagen churned from promo box at the time, I'm sure that was an immensely stressful and negative experience Mm. yet, you know, out of the ashes arose the Phoenix. So like, (laughs) I I always love the promoting that concept listeners, like from that Mm. negative experience, you were able to have so many conversations and really unpack, you know, what happened. Is that an accurate representation?
0: It it is, and, and on the subject of sort of, you know, out of the ashes, I I love that. I love that point. Um, but not only from a professional but personal perspective, you know, I couldn't say the name Volkswagen for so long because I felt so personally you couldn't you know, ride in one. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was very hard going through that because you know you're an early stage startup. Your co founders are relying on you. You want to make sure that you're you know you're carrying your weight and. Not that I felt like I churned them, but you know, we were a very small team. We had a lot to prove, and it was a it was a, a a churn that everyone felt, not just not just myself. But you know, fast forward to building and scaling Promobox for about twelve years, I ended up leaving that business after after the that decade plus. All of my co founders actually, we all left around the same time. It, it was time for new, fresh leadership, and the company's doing very well. I'm very excited to 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 watch it continue to grow. But you know, I, I, I realized how much of my identity was in that company, my sense of self-worth, my feeling of being a contributing member to society. And I, I didn't really know who I was aside from creating that business, which maybe sounds kind of strange, or maybe it doesn't at all to some people listening. So, you know, leaving Promobox and then going through a rich personal journey and finding myself again, and I was asking myself, do I even want to stay in tech? Do I want to start a new? Career? Do I want to stay in Boston? Like, you know, there's there's a lot to consider here. And having again that that mentoring at TechStars and getting that burst of early stage energy reminded me of how much I loved this process. And then reconnecting with Jonathan and finding a a problem that we felt very personally connected to just reinvigorated my soul and my sense of self and. I was, you know, I was excited at the prospect of, of, of getting at it again.
2: Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. That's, that's such a rich story, Sincere. And, um, no, I just love that whole, that whole concept, that whole journey. And now, you know, co-founder of Koala. Companies going from strength to strength, and that came out of a serendipitous relationship with your co-founder. So, I absolutely love that, and there are a lot of great lessons. I hope listeners picked up on in your story as we kind of close out our conversation today. You know, entrepreneurs who are tuning in, you know, startup founders, and maybe even you know CEOs or other leaders who are tuning in who are certainly experienced, but are, you know, looking to start a new venture, you know, whenever you're, whenever you have an idea, a concept, and you're looking to, to start it up and do all of the things necessary to make that happen. What advice would you share with them?
0: Um, (laughs) It was actually something that one of our, one of our customers said to us. And I think about this all the time is if it's not a hell, yes, it's a no. And I think about that a lot. Now, this personally resonates with me. Certainly, might not resonate with everyone, but I think the point behind that idea is that it is a it's a rough journey. I mean, life is a rough and exciting journey, but starting a company is a crazy roller coaster ride. You have to have so much conviction about what you're doing, so much blind belief that it can work, and a degree of being slightly naive, even if you're you know you're well experienced. So. I would say if you're thinking of your next opportunity, and I I tell this to myself too. If hopefully Koala won't be the, the last you know uh, company either, uh, that you have one life and there's not much time here. Not to get morose that we have here on this wonderful earth. So do something that you love, that you're passionate about, that gives you energy. It's not going to always give you energy. Again, that crazy roller coaster ride. But um, yeah, your level of conviction in the opportunity matters. It matters for your team. It matters for you and how you keep your energy over the long haul. It's a marathon. So I would say recommendation to those listening and to myself is is conviction's important and yeah if it's if it's not a, a it's not a hell yes then maybe consider that it's a no
2: you know and we can talk about tactics and strategies all we want you know on this podcast and we do and we certainly did today which was so valuable but really you know we're all human and you have to be so invigorated and inspired whenever you you know um sign on to a new venture so i absolutely love that and i've loved our conversation today sincerely Perez, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Where can people get in touch with you? You know, keep up to date with your work and everything going on with Koala.
0: Sure. So I'll I'll send you some links, but you can find me on LinkedIn, Soncira, S O N C I A R Y, and um, you can also find me via the Koala website, q u a l a. io, and uh, of course my email is soncira at koala. io. So feel free to. To email me and, and let me know if this episode resonated or, or feel free to share, share your stories as well. I, I enjoy meeting others.
2: Wonderful. Thanks so much for joining me today on the podcast. It's been a pleasure.
0: Thank you so much, Noah.
1: Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Leaders of B2B podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a five-star rating. And as always, you can see more information about this episode and all the resources mentioned at leadersofb2b.com.